Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golak. We're ready to talk about the game. Ohio State and Michigan are set to play football for the 119th time on Saturday. No two teams have had more AP Top 5 meetings than Michigan and Ohio State. 12 times they've met as Top 5 teams since 1942. Michigan, a six-point favorite in the game. Of course, the backdrop of this one, Jim Harbaugh still serving his suspension here. And the guys have the perfect guess to break this one down. Yeah, very excited as we get to the biggest rivalry game of the weekend, the most stakes, the way it's been, honestly, the last few years for Ohio State and Michigan. Very excited to welcome in former Ohio State linebacker Joshua Perry, former Michigan tight end Jake Butt. You guys can catch them on Red Corner, Blue Corner over on Stadium. Breaking down everything, certainly Big Ten, but guys, for this week, walk me through the feelings, Jake, of this. You guys were there at the same time, too, so you guys have a lot of direct head-to-head remembrance of this rivalry as players. What's this big week been like around the show, Jake? Well, first off, you know, I don't know. No one can see me right now, but I've just been smiling since the moment I locked eyes with Joshua in the pre-show because I it was I was hit with this sudden realization. <laughs> Next week during our show, my life will be – it'll be the best thing in the world. It'll be the best feeling in the world, or it will be a living hell, and there's really no in-between. So that will be decided at about 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. We will know the final verdict. But uh, other than that, I'm a pretty level-headed guy. I don't get too high, too low. Joshua will tell you it's been a slow climb, but today I, there's a fire inside me, man. I, It's time to turn the page. Joshua, I don't even know if I can call you my friend anymore. Now, now you are the official – you're on the other side, bro. All right, let's let's calm that down, Jake. We, we, I feel like we can still be friends up until foot meets leather. Then after that, we got to make a decision. Fair enough. Can, can, can I, I? I need to ask a question just from the name of the show. Joshua, how, how did you get red corner first? 
instead of blue. Was there an actual battle on the color corner first for this title? Well, you know how these things typically go, right? Like you get the agents involved and you're talking to production about who gets top billing. And, uh, you know, of course, I've got the inside track within the building. So I said, listen, if this show is going to be a go, we got to make sure that the Buckeyes get the proper representation. Uh, you know, I had the upper hand when Jake and I were both players in that rivalry game. So it makes sense that we would get the red corner before the blue corner. Oof. All right, man. So it's getting personal very quickly here, which we love. I I, I want to go back, Joshua, to you mentioned the upper hand when you guys were players. Walk us through what game week is like from the Ohio State side, getting ready for this one each and every year, what that messages from the coaches are like and how you're going through preparing for this as a player back then. Yeah, I mean, I played for a, a certified maniac and tyrant who I love in Urban Meyer. Um, so he he had a diabolical plan to, to have us ready to go in that game. So we would, you know, we'd play on Saturday before, we'd go home, then Sunday we would come in for our meetings and he would have this LL Cool J song called It's Time for War Playing. And that would like set the tone. We knew what it was when we walked in the facility. He would have scout team jerseys for Michigan taped to the floor so we could get used to walking all over Michigan. Um, like <laughs> it was a it was a whole thing and he was very much like let's let's all hunker down. This is just about us. We're not going to bring in guests to talk about this. No former players, no former coaches. This is about what our team is getting ready to do. And he would build up the opponent throughout the week. And then kind of toward the end of the week, he would knock them back down a little bit and give us that confidence going into uh, game time. So I, I think he had a plan, knew exactly how he wanted to attack it. Um, he was a maniac, but you need a maniac to be able to be successful in that rivalry. Jake, same way with you. How was the prep for that week and how much different was it than other weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's actually interesting to go back because I did two years with Brady Hoke and two years with Coach Harbaugh. And the way Coach Harbaugh, who is still in the building, just not uh, officially the head coach on game day, the way he's changed this week, um, it just gives you just an interesting look into the philosophy that you kind of just heard from JP there. But, you know, with Brady, we, we ended every single meeting. It wasn't just the week. It was year round. We'd have a team meeting every day. And we ended every meeting with him saying beat. And then the rest of the room would say Ohio, right? And, you know, that week, they, all the scout team took some gray, uh, silver and uh, red tape and taped their helmet to look just like the Ohio State helmet, very similar to what they were doing in Columbus. And then when Coach Harbaugh got there, all that was done. We didn't do any of that. It was always just about us. And yet we still didn't get it done. But now what you've heard, and, and I do think there's some value. It's it's an interesting thought. I do think there's some value to Michigan implementing a beat Ohio drill a few years back. And now the emphasis has led to back-to-back -back victories over Ohio State. Yeah, and I want to kind of stick there because looking at the modern version of this rivalry in the last few years, for so long it was Jim Harbaugh can't beat Ohio State, can't beat Ryan Day, can't get over the hump on this. Jake, in your mind, what changed with that? What do you think in this rivalry changed that's allowed Michigan to get over in the last couple of years? You know, the funny thing is, is like I, the, the, the year it changed was the year after the COVID year which was like one of the lowest years in Michigan football history. I mean, I remember that offseason where people thought it was time to move on from Coach Harbaugh, who's a phenomenal coach. Be careful what you wish for. There's not many that can coach football like he can. And that offseason, Michigan was unranked. There was like metrics that say they had like a 0.1% chance to you know win the conference. 
And I think what that led to is Coach Harbaugh, he was trying harder and harder and harder and doing more and more and more to win. So eventually he just took a trust ball and said, like, you know, screw it all. Like, let's just trust in ourselves. He went younger with his staff. He made some moves in the leadership of the program. And it was the timing worked out perfectly where I still talk to guys this day and they, they credit Aiden Hutchinson to, to as, as the guy that has changed this program around in terms of his leadership. I think Ben Herbert is a sneaky, sneaky big piece of this, the strength coach. I, I go go listen to these guys talk about him. What he has done for the mindset of these players, and I really think this week it, it's there's X's and O's certainly, but there is like a mindset in a belief in an understanding and a like a love and cohesion that goes into the the victory of this game. And Ben Herbert was a big piece of that. They did it in 2021. And then the question was, it wasn't all of a sudden everyone picked Michigan. Then it was split. Half the world said, okay, well, Ohio State will win at home. Half will, half said Michigan won't get it done. And then Michigan did it again. And now what you have is you have the scales completely tipped to the other side where Michigan is the overwhelming favorite. They're the betting favorite in this game. And now, now everything that Michigan had to do to overcome that, now that's on Ryan Day and Ohio State to overcome the, the mindset piece of this. So along those lines, Joshua, just just what Jake said, and I remember on air talking about it a couple of years ago when Harbaugh was losing consecutive years to Ryan Day in Ohio State, I would be like, how long will the alumni take this? You know, not being in the Big Ten championship game, not being in the playoffs, and then it's completely flipped. So now I'll ask you, how long will the alumni take this out of Ryan Day losing to Michigan, not being in the Big Ten championship, not being in the playoffs, even though the rest of the season has been going pretty well? It's the most interesting thing to me. Like, I... As somebody who loves that university and somebody who, when they, you know, ask for a little bit of money, I I send what I can. I'm not wealthy, but I like to support. Um, I'm I'm all in, right? I'm all in on this guy. Here's the reality of the situation is people will be like, oh, man, he's lost back to back to Michigan and the whole he's lost six games. Six games since he's taken over at Ohio State. This man has lost two games in Big Ten play since he's taken over at Ohio State. He's made it to the college football playoff three times, and the one time he didn't go, he won a Rose Bowl. He has coached in a national championship game. Jim Harbaugh hasn't done that, but they stuck around with that guy for quite a while. And so what I'm trying to say here is I think Ohio State is still a nationally relevant program. The idea that they lost last year and still made it to the college football playoff with an opportunity to beat Georgia and potentially go to a national championship game, I think is proof of that. And next year, things are going to be different, too. The way that the Big Ten is shifting divisions, they could get a rematch at some point if they don't get that game. And even if they don't, they're still going to be right there in a 12-team playoff. And I know as an Ohio State guy, my number one goal is to beat Michigan. I did it four times out of four times. I would like for all the guys who come through that program to do it. But the other goal is to win a national championship, and that is something I did when I was in school as well. And I got to tell you, both of them feel pretty good, right? And both of them get guys paid. And so I think the idea is for me, as long as Ohio State is a program that is nationally relevant, and has an opportunity to compete for a championship. It's hard for me to say that you should get rid of the coach. The other part about it is I'm not exactly sure you're going to find a coach's quality as Ryan Day to replace right. him. Hey, just to back that up, I mean, thank God the emotional fan doesn't have the final verdict on coaching decisions. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell you for sure if the fan base got what they wanted in that COVID year, Michigan would be 
I am very, very confident saying yep. Michigan would be worse off today than they than they are keeping Coach Harbaugh. And like for say what you want about Ryan Day, as JP just said, he's up there all time instead in in career winning percentage to start his career. These things take time, man. These things take time. Though this is a big year for him because mm-hmm. though though we can support him, the pressure is also fair. He needs to find a way to get it done sooner than later. No doubt. There's no doubt, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, outside of the Big Ten and outside of this rivalry, look at a team like Florida State this year who probably, if their fans would have had their way a couple years ago, would have fired Mike Norvell, and you wouldn't be sitting at a point now where, albeit, they're going to try and do it without their quarterback, but knocking on the door of the playoff. I, I want to get into the the outside noise of this week as well, and Jake from Michigan, we've seen both sides. It's warring factions of Ohio versus the world, Michigan versus everybody this week. Jake, all the sign-stealing scandal that's been going on around this, the fact that Jim Harbaugh is not going to be on the sideline. For the players in that locker room, we've seen, and the outside world has kind of looked a little side-eyed at some of the emotion coming out there, looking at what's gone on here and how these Michigan players have weaponized it into turning it versus them versus everybody else. How real is that inside this locker room, or is this one of those clever motivational tactics that just happen in sports? Oh, no, it's it's very real. And this week, it's uh, anything that's real this week is amplified times 100. So it's even more real this week. And I've been thinking about how it could play out and, and you know, how it could, uh, you know, play a role in this game. And I think Michigan's looked – maybe you could argue a little shaky, particularly on the off- offensive side of the ball. J.J. McCarthy these past two weeks, it's like, ah, it hasn't looked at, as good as it did earlier in the year when Jim Harbaugh was on the sidelines. But – Jim is still coach Harbaugh is still with the team up until like he cannot coach on game day, which means Friday night when they're in the hotel together and they have their meeting. And and as Joshua said, there's no need to bring in an outside speaker. It's just you guys. And and I almost think it's like I liken it to like a psychedelic experience. Like you've never been more present. Like the silence is amplified as much as the words are amplified. And coach Harbaugh is going to sit there on Friday night. And deliver a speech that I imagine unites the troops in a way that I don't think we probably, if you're a Michigan fan, at least you'd hope. And if you're a player, this is. Uh oh. Man, he got so fired up that we actually yeah. lost his internet connection there. So this is already the team. Oh, we got Jake back there. Jake, you got so fired up, you actually cut your own internet out. <laughs> that that happens, right? But just to, I, I think it, when Coach Harbaugh delivers this speech, just to put a bow on this, I, I think the goal would be to unite the team in a way that we have not seen this entire century, right? So they can go out there and just play beyond themselves that Saturday at noon. So so let's go on the field for a minute. And, and Jake, let me start with you because it's about, you know, the best receiver in, in the game. Both Ohio State and Michigan are two of the top teams in the country against the pass, but we know the Ohio State passing attack with Marvin Harrison Jr. can be deadly. How do you, as a, as a former player looking at this, how do you try and stop or slow down a Marvin Harrison Jr.? Well, thankfully, you got one of the best corners in college football and Will Johnson. And what what really benefits, I mean, Penn State's got a great secondary, but Kalen King's he's a little bit shorter. Will Johnson's like six two with long arms. Like if I was on Madden creating a corner, it would prop for this matchup. It'd probably be Will. He's rangy with long arms and. Um, that that's going to help him try to bat some balls down, but they, it can't. It's not just on one. If you have Will Johnson follow him around the whole game, 
Marvin's going to get his. So you need you need safety coverage over top. And what that means is your D-line has to win up front to prevent the run because you have to commit resources in the back end to stopping Marv. We've talked about this on our show, though, and I went back and watched the Penn State game. In the first half, I would say McCord looked Marvin's way or through Marvin's way about 80% of the time on his initial passes. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was inaccurate on about half of those. Like mm-hmm. it was it was off on about half of those. Ryan Day did his part. Ryan Day did his part in scheming Marvin open and hiding him by formation and personnel. The key here is like the 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 cha- changing the picture post snap for Michigan's defensive coordinator Jesse Minter. What I mean by that is is usually you expect all the defensive line to be the guys in the pass rush. Well, Michigan brings a lot of pressures. So what you can do off that is simulated pressure Mm -hmm. where you bring pressure from the linebackers or the secondary, and then it gives the illusion to McCord that he's got a bunch of green grass to throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. But all of a sudden, he drops those defensive linemen into those zones. It messed with Drew Aller. I mean, a a number of times in that Penn State game, Drew Aller is just chucking the ball up because he was so confused by the picture. That's what has to happen this week. And then within that, does McCord have the discipline to take the sack or throw it away, or is he going to try to force feed Marvin and Michigan's able to take care, take advantage of that opportunity with an interception or a key turnover? I think there'll be a few of those instances in this game that could really decide big-time momentum. So I think a lot of us, when we think of Ohio State and the offense, do think of that. But Joshua, I think so much of the conversation especially when it's pertained to Ryan Day in public has been about toughness and we think that manifests in the lines of scrimmage on both sides for this football team it's what's defined a lot of this Michigan resurgence in the rivalry so when you evaluate the lines of scrimmage Ohio State's offensive line and defensive line how do you think they stack up in terms of their ability to go out and swing the balance in this game yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, to the the trenches point, like it usually comes down to that. Um, Ohio State, I thought their biggest weakness coming into this year was not going to be replacing C.J. Stroud. I thought it was going to be across the offensive line where you had three new guys that were going to be starting, and it has not been great for a lot of the year. It's It's been great at times, it's been good at times, and at times it's been bad, but it has not been up to the standard of what people are used to seeing. I think the two tackles in in, uh, uh, Simmons and Fryer have gotten much better throughout the year, and particularly in pass pro. I think that those guys have figured their way out a little bit. I think Simmons has even figured his way out in the run game. Where I have trouble is on the interior of the offensive line with uh, Hinsman, the center. I I think that he's a fish. I think he's a guy that if I was a defensive coordinator, I would be scheming up all of our blitz packages and all of our rush packages to be able to put him in a blender so I could get after Kyle McCord. And Michigan has guys on the interior of their defensive line that I think are aliens. They're as good as anybody you would see on the other sideline for Ohio State. They're as good as the guys you would see for Bama, uh, Alabama or Georgia. So they're going to have a little bit of a problem in there. Ohio State's defensive line, I think, is extremely talented. They're disruptive. And I talked about Michigan's interior. Ohio State's interior is maybe a different body type, but those guys can get after it. Um, and I think that it could be a favorable matchup for Ohio State's edges from what we've seen from the Michigan offensive line the last two weeks in particular. Ohio State on the edges has not been a a high sack count team, but they've been a high pressure team. And I think that Jack Sawyer has played his best football as of late. He's a five-star guy. He's from Columbus, Ohio. Is this an opportunity for him to kind of become one of the names that people remember from the game? 
we'll see. And then JTT, we all know, uh, you know, he can have that breakout game at any point. Joshua, give me about just about 30, 30 seconds here. If your worst nightmare comes true and Michigan beats Ohio State and Michigan wins a national championship, do you put an asterisk next to their team name because of the sign stealing? That's a tough one for me. I think players got to go out and execute. Um, I, I also do think that a you can make a legit case that knowing where pressure is coming from or knowing exactly what coverage you're going to get, you can get into a perfect play. Um, I'm, I'm not into that business. I've got my national title, so I'll go ahead and let them have it. But I, I know a lot of people don't feel the same way I do. <laughs> there we go. I, I would tend I would tend to agree on that one. It's yep. been a lot of jokes about that. It's been a lot of outside noise here. But thankfully this weekend we get toe meat and leather and we finally get to play this damn game that once again is one of the most important in all of college football. Even if you don't subscribe or aren't a fan of either team, you understand that this one means business when it comes to this season. Guys, check out Red Corner, Blue Corner with Joshua Perry and Jake Butt over on Stadium. Do a great job. Both of you guys have been kicking ass covering college ball all season long. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you guys on the other side if you're both in one piece after this. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, man. It's, you know what? It's, That's awesome. Rem- remarkably civil from two guys that yes. quite literally yes. butted heads for a long yeah, until time next week. It's always amazing. Until next you- week when they're talking about the outcome of the game, one's not going to be as civil as the other. <laughs> I'm just saying, you and I never even actually butted heads. We're related, and I feel like we fight way more often than those guys. So it's an incredible testament to what you can do and the power of sports to bring people together. Coming up next, we'll take a look at the rest of the college football slate coming up this weekend as there are plenty of games that can still tilt the balance of power in the college football playoff race. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Bullock. There are plenty of other games outside of the game on the slate this weekend. So let's break it down with our Modelo College Football Weekend Preview brought to you by Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Fellas, take it away. Yeah, we got some bangers coming up this weekend, Dad. Uh, There are 
a lot of rivalry games this weekend. It is rivalry weekend in college football. Now, for us at Notre Dame, a little bit less impactful. Usually, Notre Dame yep. alters the end of the season with either USC or Stanford because neither of those teams are ever going to make the trip out to South Bend in November. And conversely, no. it's nice to leave the snow to go to California for one of these games in the middle of November, too. So, Notre Dame and Stanford will play. They'll be overwhelming favorites in that. It's a rivalry game because we have a trophy like a lot of the other games that Notre Dame plays, but hardly registers in the same way I think as a no, lot of the games no. coming up this weekend and we've talked about the game with uh, Joshua Perry and Jake Butt having playoff implications Oregon State versus Oregon this weekend dad Oregon State's got this two-week run where they had a chance to influence the outcome of college football on the top end they have now become a great win for Washington who remains undefeated and now playing in an in-state rivalry dad has a chance to spoil Oregon season everybody talking about how great Oregon is the best one loss team in college football played better than Washington for the majority of that game but you know in one a rivalry game in general but two a rivalry game where Oregon State is actually a competent team with really good parts this is a dangerous one for the ducks walking in who are 13 and a half point favorites yeah it is it is and and another shame of again the conference realignments as we found out the apple cup washington washington state is going to continue this one is not these two teams have played every year since 1945 and now with oregon leaving for the big 10 this this is not going to happen uh every year so that is a shame there but as far as on the field, man, I mean, two shaky games, right, for Washington and Oregon to get by because this is one we usually see as I've used the term the Pac-12, Pac-12s themselves, and all of a sudden they're not in contention. Right now they have two teams in contention for the Final Four, and somehow they, they managed to have nobody uh, by the end of the season. So each one's got to get by their respective opponent here. Oregon State runs the ball well. Oregon hasn't been great against the run this year. I expect there to be some attacking there. Um, so I, I think I think that could be big for Oregon State. Not only that, but to control the ball because Oregon has, I think, the second most explosive by yards uh, uh, offense in the country behind just LSU averaging over 500 yards a game. Best way to not get them over 500 yards a game is to, if you're Oregon State, is to run the ball and control the clock. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Yeah, I, I think the Oregon rush defense is actually up to the task. On the year, they're one of two Pac-12 teams to hold to under 100 rush yards per game on average overall. They've just got such a depth of big bodies across the defensive front, Dad. I think that's the difference. I've said they've built themselves like Georgia, where Dan Lanning came from, in the fact that it's a bunch of outside linebacker bodies that they can roll through wave after wave. They've got great depth there. And on the other side, this Oregon offense, you've got Bucky Irving, who, like our boy Audric Estime, was a Doak Walker scrub. Oh, that was snub. That was ridiculous. Uh, just a joke. I can't believe Bucky Irving's one of my – A joke. For both of them. Yeah. For both of them completely. Yes, for both so, of them. Yes. I, I, I think – Yeah. <clears throat> I think, or I think Oregon wins this one pretty handily. I think this has been a mature football team for the majority of this year. We've seen them thrive in games that were supposed to be the test games for them, Sands, Washington. But even in that game, played incredibly well. They can hurt you on every level, Dad. They've got an offensive line up front that's huge that can move weight in front of guys like Bucky Irving. Troy Franklin and that wide receiver core have a lot of time under task with Bo Nix. And for Bo Nix, you know, you're in the you're in the middle of the Heisman race right now. And ever since you've come over to Oregon. Oregon, you've really been able to avoid the blow-up games that used to be such a part of his yeah. narrative. 
And, and I go with Oregon as well. I think if this turns into a passing game, Oregon last year had 18 sacks. This year they have 31. And from Oregon's offensive side, Bo Nix, I think, has only been sacked four times or right in that area, four or five times. So they've done a nice job protecting him. And he gets rid of the ball. So I'll go with Oregon. They hang on for this one and, uh, and get to the Pac-12 title game. Completely agree. Florida State versus Florida. Fascinating for the college football playoff picture, Dad. Uh, another in-state rivalry. Both teams limping into this game. Yeah. Florida getting ready to start Max Brown, his first career start in this game after uh, their starting quarterback was hurt in the last game. Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin transfer. And Florida State on the other side, so devastating. The loss for Jordan Travis Ugh. on the season. A year where... They had been undefeated in the driver's seat, controlling their destiny. And now, while they won't be punished just for their quarterback going down, Dad, for Tate Rodemaker and for this Florida State team, having to go out here and execute against a sub-500 SEC team that is your rival, you've got to send a message that, hey, yeah. we're going to be able to, with the rest of the talent on this roster, with the group that we've got, going to be able to steer the ship without our signal caller. Yeah, a little more got added to their plate, without a doubt, in showing in what can they show and prove with a backup quarterback. I think they get a little bit of help there by Florida's quarterback, Mertz, being out as well to kind of even the playing field there from the quarterback position. I still think Florida State's too good for Florida. I think it sets up for that big game for Louisville, which... Louisville may they're going to need some help but boy could they find their way into this thing at the end and they'll get the, and they get the chance of doing that in the ACC championship game as long as they can take care of business but I like Florida State in this one they're still the better team I would agree I this is where I would look squarely at your offensive line in front and Alex Atkins their offensive line coach who's also the co offensive coordinator there he's got a stellar group Maurice Smith one of my favorite centers to watch in the country them and Trey Benson going up against a Florida defense that every time we've seen them go up against a rushing attack this season has been giving up yards in droves. I think this is a game where you got to lean heavy on that. Say, hey, listen, we understand we got some aliens in the wide receiver core, but with a new guy, let's simplify the formula. Let's make sure we beat them up on the ground where they know that they can get had, and then let's live to fight another day and figure out, all right, how are we going to go about attacking a Louisville team that is absolutely capable if they're not at 100% of beating florida state in the acc championship and making this a real bad time and speaking of that louisville team dad seven yeah. point favorites on the road against kentucky if they go 12 and 1 they're in a really interesting spot if this team manages to win the acc championship with the resume they've got terrible loss to pit inexcusably yeah. bad loss yeah. that they're rightly going to be penalized for but you've got a win at home against notre dame it's respected by the committee and you would have a win over a florida state team that albeit they wouldn't have their starting quarterback for the season would still be a ranked florida state team if you face them there i think louisville gets this done kentucky's been underwhelming all year dad i had high yeah. hopes for this team ray davis great running back coming over from vanderbilt's gotten fewer and fewer touches as the yes. season's gone along i don't know if he's hurt or what but there's yeah. something yeah. weird going on there uh, and then offensively, Devin Leary, the quarterback that transferred in from NC State, just hasn't been able to deliver in enough big moments. And against this Louisville defense that's going to play downhill, throw a lot at you, blitz and pressure heavy, I just can't count on him to be the difference maker in this game. 
Yeah, and I've been surprised too. Ray Davis averaging just 12 carries a game in the last couple of games as opposed to averaging 15 or more before that. They're starting to turn the ball over. They're losing the turnover battle uh, as of late as well. Louisville's a top 20 team as far as yards against uh, or per rush. So can they keep Ray Davis even if he does get more carries contained a little bit? Louisville here again, they're the better team. We know what their rivalry games. We know it's the end of the season. We know anything can happen, but Man, if Louisville can keep their eye on the prize here. As, as we mentioned, there are some teams that control their own destiny. We don't believe Louisville is one of them. Uh, all they can do is, is beat who's in front of them and try and get that ACC title by beating an undefeated Florida State game. Then they're going to have to have some dominoes fall uh, their way uh, to make it into the Final Four. But they can certainly have an incredible season even if they don't get there. Yeah, I, I'd say this. You get to the ACC championship, Jeff Brom, I have a feeling, is going to have coach of the year all locked up in year one to come into his alma mater and already have them knocking on the door of an ACC championship. And who knows? We are just talking about all these games that are going to impact the potential landscape for who makes it into the playoff. And if you get yourself to the ACC title game and you manage to win the ACC title game, Man, you're at least within range if some weird stuff starts to happen and you're a one-loss team holding a conference championship trophy, which again, conference title, something that the committee is told to factor in here, then you give yourself a chance. And that's really all that any of us can ask for. Very exciting weekend. Very much looking forward to this one. Coming up next, let's move on to the NFL here, guys. We get to take a look not only at the Black Friday uh, Thanksgiving game and our Thanksgiving game, but looking ahead to the Sunday slate as we get our Sunday dinner, a four-course breakdown of the NFL weekend heading up here next on Gojo and Golik. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So after our Thanksgiving and Black Friday helpings of football, we get 11 games on Sunday to end this weekend. We are truly blessed. Let's stick with our food theme here, okay, and do a Sunday dinner four-course breakdown of the slate. I am setting the table for you to begin with your appetizers, gentlemen. 
Appetizers, which again in the Cofield household would consist of caviar. So this has got to be a game. That's that finger rich food, in taste. Gojo. You don't sit oh, down at God. the table and eat that like a savage, okay? Wow. <laughs> oh, uh, how uncouth of me. <laughs> I am disgusted. Uh, I will try and recover and pour water on this hot, hot burn uh, and get to the game that will be the appetizer. The one that I'm intrigued by, Dad, because I expect Kansas City to win against Las Vegas. But but based on the way the Raiders played this past weekend, I am definitely intrigued. How does Kansas City respond back after a tough loss in comeback fashion for the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football? I still think ultimately that game boiled down to turnovers at the wrong spot. I think most of what's wrong with them is fixable. And I think Kansas City is still the better team. But this Las Vegas Raiders defense especially has proved to be a tough out. I just don't think the Vegas Raiders offense has any chance against what Steve Spagnuolo has been doing on defense. Yeah, boy, he, he certainly brings the pressure, no doubt about that. My appetizer game that in, intrigues me is Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati starts their post-Joe uh, uh, Burrow uh, time as he's out for the year, and uh, Jake Browning takes over, but really more on the other side. What happens now in Pittsburgh? They fire their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Mike Sullivan, who was the quarterback coach, will be calling plays. He's done it before at some other stops he's been at. So I'm very intrigued because I'm not going to go over the numbers again and keep sledgehammering this Pittsburgh offense, but they stink. And Kenny Pickett's numbers have been awful. So I'm somewhat intrigued on this one as to what it's going to look like game one after. Again, the system is not changing, but... The plays that are put in, the order they're put in, the, the, what you're, how you're calling a game for Kenny Pickett is going to change. So that part is going to be very intriguing for me. That game is also going to be on my plate, but in a very different spot that we'll get to in a little <laughs> bit here. Dad, the main course, the game that you are definitely going to watch this weekend, I'm going with Buffalo versus Philly. I think Me this too. is a fascinating checkup from the neck up for the Buffalo Bills. Coming off of a win against the Jets team that is one-sided, that only has one thing that they can offer. And so Buffalo, after firing Ken Dorsey, came in hyper-focused. Can you do it two weeks in a row against a markedly better outfit in the Philadelphia Eagles? That's my biggest question for this game. Can Josh Allen against a Philadelphia secondary that has been the objectively weaker part of their defense with a lot more weapons than we saw the Kansas City Chiefs had, the drops that plagued them in that game outside of Travis Kelsey not having as many options. I think for Buffalo, what Stephon Diggs can do against that secondary are going to go a long way in determining that. Big game. That's my main course as well. Big game for Buffalo. They're two back from Miami, but they have a win over Miami, and then they play them at the end of the season. So can they be in a position to tie them up record-wise but sweep for the season? You mentioned the win against the Jets, but that, that's not very impressive. And they're coming off then back-to-back -back losses from Cincinnati and Denver. So we're really trying to find out who they are, right? And we know who Philadelphia is. It's not the prettiest thing in the world. Sometimes it looks pretty. Sometimes it looks ugly. And we just hope uh, every series gets down to a, a third or a fourth and two or one so we can see uh, the brotherly shove. Because, again, they did it against Kansas City. And, again, Kansas City players are diving over the top. I, I just don't understand yeah. how people can still do that and just all you are is you're on a surfboard riding the wave. I don't get it. Uh, but I still wait for that play to be stopped. It hasn't. But that's definitely the main course to me to see which Buffalo team is going to show up. 
And you know what's interesting? We really only saw that a couple times in that game because, by and large, Kansas City did a really good job on first they did. and second down yep. of keeping them out of range of third and short, fourth and short plays. And so for Buffalo and for Sean McDermott, who we know this year has been a much more aggressive defensive play caller than you had with Leslie Frazier in years past, how are they going to attack those early downs? Because for Philadelphia offensively, Dad, I think there were a lot of people surprised and frustrated last week. The passing game was incredibly lateral. The offensive line at times, Chris Jones gave them all that they yes. could handle up front. Oh, he did. For Buffalo, do you have anybody that's going to be able to match that kind of production individually? Can Von Miller finally come on and have a game as he's come back from injury? He still hasn't looked fully like himself. And so you're going to need either someone up front or extra bodies to try and add in on that because if Philadelphia can just have their way and get back to rushing the ball with the consistency that we're used to there, could be a long day for Buffalo. Let's get to the side dish, Dad, the game that you're going to keep a close eye on. Jacksonville at Houston division game is all of a sudden the Houston Texans don't just look like some plucky first year story with a rookie quarterback who's really good and a franchise with a head coach that we all like this looks like a playoff team and now in this division they are closing the gap between them and Jacksonville who's been on top of this for a while here I have good good strong feelings about the Houston Texans and what they might be able to do in this game Jacksonville rolling into this one probably feeling good but we've seen all year struggle once they get past that opening drive on offense against a Houston team that we talked about good at pressuring the quarterback young edge rushers making their impact so far yeah my mine is going to be what your appetizer was my side dish is going to be Chiefs and Raiders Raiders come out with two wins after Antonio Pierce takes over and played a Miami team pretty strong, right? That Miami offense is vaunted offense. That defense did hold them to just 20 points. They lost 20 to 13. It was a competitive game. So the Raider team is playing better. They're one of those teams that, while they're not going to make the playoffs, can be a detriment to a team that is going to make the playoffs, can sneak up and beat you because Antonio Pierce is going to have this team ready each week. So that's what makes this one a bit of a, I'm going to keep my eye on just to see if they can stay in this game. I expect Kansas City to win, but it would not shock me, again, with the new coach and and how much they dig Antonio Pierce uh, and how much better they're playing to keep this one closer than we think. All right. We're going to skip dessert here because we already talked about one of the games here. You mentioned Cincinnati versus Pittsburgh. That's the game I'm going to I'm going to watch but wish I didn't. And we're instead going to spice the table up a little bit. We talked about sometimes you got to introduce non-traditional Thanksgiving foods into there. And we're going to get to our spicy pick of the week presented by Campbell's Chunky. We're going to predict the spiciest player heading into Sunday's slate of games this week. We are presented by Campbell's Chunky, the soup that eats like a meal. Head to DraftKings.com slash Chunky to play this Sunday's free-to-play prediction pool for your shot at a bite of $5,000 in prizing. Dad, spiciest player for this weekend for me, and one I'm fascinated to watch. Last weekend, he was able to ride the wave with the support of his team and get through it. This weekend, give me a little Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Quarter back for the Cleveland Browns making another start going against the Denver Broncos defense that's getting all this love right now I love what they did with DTR moving him around using him as a designed runner in that game Kevin Stefanski called a brilliant game plan with him at the helm last week he's got the number one defense in the league at his back I like what DTR has got the chance to do against a Broncos defense that everybody's high on right now uh, amazing. That was one of the guys I was going to have, too, to see what he was going to do against this defense. So I will switch mine up, and I'll see if the spice can continue because we know he's getting good sleep at night. We know he's being <clears throat> well-fed as well. 
But how about Tommy DeVito? Tommy DeVito, who has five touchdown <laughs> passes in the last couple of games, going up against the Patriots, who are having an awful year, but usually have a very good defense. This is a direct game, but the Tommy DeVito story, this is what happens every year in pro sports, is we end up talking about certain players. Joshua Dobbs being another one. Maybe DTR, if he is, you know, he starts to come along more. But Tommy DeVito, given his chance, nobody even knew who this guy was right until a couple of weeks ago now he's setting giant records in the first couple of weeks he's doing starting while living at home with his parents it's just something that you you can't even write in Hollywood so uh, I'm gonna go with Tommy to see if he can keep going on his string of touchdown passes against as I said a team that's bad this year in the Patriots but usually can trot out a pretty good defense Thomas the veto going yes. off here. Uh, very excited for that one. Uh, those are pretty spicy picks there, too. So you guys, again, can head over to DraftKings.com slash Chunky and play in this Sunday's free-to-play prediction pool for your shot at that bite of $5,000 in pricing there. Uh, you know what? The other one I was thinking about was Zay Flowers in that Baltimore receiving room going against the Chargers mm. defense on the back end that is reeling right there. A lot of spice heading into this weekend. It's not just the Turkey Day slate. You got a spicy, spicy finish. Speaking of spicy finishes, we will get to the Stephen A. sound heard round the world in this, <laughs> that, the third next. All right, delirious heading towards the finish as we all get ready for a Thanksgiving nap. We are going to send you off into the holiday weekend. Again, we will not be live tomorrow or Friday. No new shows coming then. We'll be back with you live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern next week here on the DraftKings Network, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, DraftKings YouTube, and more. You can check us out there. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. And if you missed any of the show today with great guests like our friends Joshua Perry and Jake Butt, who you can check out at Red Corner, Blue Corner, over on Stadium, doing a great job, former Ohio State linebacker and Michigan tight end, respectively. You can check them out wherever you get your podcast or right here on the DraftKings YouTube channel as soon as we get done. We will get to the most shocking thing that I heard yesterday from one Stephen A. Smith, the man who makes a living with the hottest takes on earth, even surprised me with the versatility yesterday. But let's talk about the versatility of our friends at Wrangler. We're brought to you by Wrangler. Jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. You can be ready for cooler days, longer nights, and styles that are going to keep you warm, comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere, at work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, mm -hmm. or at home, watching the game on TV like I'm going to be the next couple of days. They are that comfortable and that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. Casual tees, snaps, button-ups, and layer them together. A little bit of both. Don't forget, of course, about the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill out and you got to head outside, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jean shirts and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great. So you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. Save 15% with your first on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code Gojo15. That's G-O-J-O-1-5. Wrangler for the ride of life. Guys, let's get to this, that, and the third. And start off with, I think, a good bit of holiday warmth in this story here. Unfortunately for Shaq Leonard, the now former Indianapolis Colts linebacker, 
He got cut yesterday after the injuries that he suffered over the last couple of years. The level of play had just dipped to a point where the Colts decided to part ways with a guy that they gave a big contract to a while ago. It's going to be fascinating to watch as he gets through the waivers process here. Who ends up taking a swing on a guy that could still be productive in the right setting? But that did not stop him from still, even after getting cut, going and handing out turkeys as part of a drive that he's usually a part of every year in Indianapolis. Uh, He got cut that Friday and said, I'm still all about giving back through the tough times, the good times, no matter what it is. Dad says a lot about the character of that guy to go out there and still show up for for the people when it matters. A lot about the character, and we, we all know there are so many things more important than the game of football. And, you know, you just love the players that have the platform that take advantage of that to help others, and that's exactly what Shaq Leonard is doing. Uh, so kudos to him. He's been a fixture there since being a second-round pick in 2018, three-time All-Pro as well. He's been a tackling machine, and I agree he can help with another team. We'll see. He's got the back issue, so where we are with the injuries. It's so wild. He said he was shocked he got released. He said, I asked for a November meeting. I guess I got a November meeting. I guess you have to be careful what you ask for, he said. <laughs> said, yeah, sometimes you do. But good on him uh, for still understanding the bigger picture here and helping others. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder that these guys are members of their community, in some cases right. leaders in their community, and take that pretty seriously in their role. And it hasn't gone the way he's wanted to. You mentioned a couple of back surgeries. There's been nerve issues there. And trying to somehow focus on your diminished role on this team while also keeping sight of the bigger picture is a good reminder that there's some special guys that play in this league, and Shaq is certainly one of them. Uh, Jesse... Let's get to that. An interesting moment in the world of higher education yesterday, courtesy of one Deion Sanders. Yeah, so he was discussing, you know, how he felt short of his own expectations for this season. And in the midst of all of this, he also got a little geography lesson. Yeah. What's, the, what's those little four heads that's in California? What do they call those? The people faces in, in grave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. I sat up there. It's in where? I thought it was in L.A. all this time. (laughs) Wow, my geography. That's the Hollywood thing? That's what I thought. I'm sorry. Thank you for educating me. Jesus, South Dakota. You got it. First of all, (laughs) Senior, you mentioned this when we were talking about this in the break. It's great that he can laugh at himself. Like, he's like, yeah, I effed that up, which was hysterical. It is also hysterical that he thought it was in LA like he thought that was in Los Angeles listen I love the fact he just laughed at himself because I'm telling you right now pick a hundred people off the street and ask them where Mount Rushmore is how many do you think get it correct that it's in South Dakota yeah I said one of the Dakotas I was like I think it's in a Dakota yeah yeah that that would be partially correct what an insane thing that exists to begin with like thinking about the concept of South Dakota and trying to explain that to somebody man someone had a lot of free time on their hands (laughs) Absolutely. You're, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. But I, like I said, I, I and you kind of, as I heard that a couple of times, I thought he was thinking about the Hollywood sign. Um, but but still, to, to, to laugh at yourself and, and say, okay, you know, my bad. I in, in what's been an incredibly interesting season for one Deion Sanders, no doubt about that. 
Oh, yeah. You know what's wild to think about is we always talk about, you know, for some people, Ice Cube is the guy from Ride Along. You live long yeah. enough to have something completely change meaning. I wonder if, as we've had, and you know, like the guys that pardon my take have done so much in popularizing the idea of Mount Rushmore season, the debates that we always do, the Mount Rushmores yeah. in certain sports. Yep. I wonder if kids that were born after the year 2000 even understand what that's in reference to, or if they just think that that's debate tool. Like, I wonder if they even know what Mount Rushmore is. Probably not. Well, that's a great call. They probably don't. You're right. You're right. And, uh, you know, should they know? Well, probably, but we should probably you know, be teaching not, that. But we're we're, we're not going to get into the. I don't know. There's probably right room now. for Mount Rushmore on TikTok somewhere. There'd be. A, it feels like yeah. a really TikTokable feature in America. So we need to get somebody on that. We also need to get to the third and get to maybe the most important bit of cultural development in the last few days here. Jesse Stephen A. Smith, a pioneer of take speaking of Mount Mount Rushmore season, pioneer to take that I did not think he had in the arsenal yesterday. Yeah, so he got a you know live caller in who asked him a question about the movie Cars, and then he proceeded to drop some serious Cars knowledge. I would tell you he wouldn't be the GOAT. How are you going to be the GOAT? Because you talk about the movie Cars, right? You talk about the movie Cars, right? I mean, when you talk yeah, about Stripper like King Weathers like and, and Lightning McQueen, they're both tied with seven piston cups. Strip Weathers, you've got about him? How can you be uh, the GOAT? You got somebody that's tied with that. you? You got somebody that's tied with you? Sorry, that ain't gonna work. Well, I know you tried to catch me with that. You didn't think I knew that about that. You didn't think I knew no, about cars, hey, did you? When you think about, okay. when you just, think you about slept on a brother. Not you slept on a brother. He's got 28 circuits. He's got 28 circuits under his Strip belt, too. Strip Weathers has seven piston cups. I am not about to sit here and argue with a grown-ass man about the movie Cars. Oh, come on now, Strip Steve. Weathers has seven piston cups. Okay, so I, producer I'm Slates, producer Slates in our mm. ears is very skeptical of this because he is like, how did they have cars B-roll ready to roll during a live call right. about this supposedly random question? Yeah, I mean, listen, there there is a, a lot to wonder about, right? Because you're right to have that B-roll immediately ready that all of a sudden you have cars B-roll in your arsenal. You know what though? Stephen A. pulled it off. Okay, Stephen A. pulled it off. Mm -hmm. And by the way, he's right. You can't be tied in the number of piston cups you win. I don't care if it's animation or not and be called the GOAT, right? You can have any argument you want, but in piston cups, you're tied as they are, Lightning McQueen and, and Strip Weathers, that you, you can't do it. So Stephen A. is right and, and he pulled. Valid question you asked, Jesse, but Stephen A. is right about this one. I, I, I've I never seen the movie, so, you know, I don't know, I but either. I guess he's right. I, you know what? Well, just, I do love you, you this, don't though, have, any time. Any, you, uh, are you going to say uh, something? Uh, no, go ahead, Mike. Sorry okay. about that. I apologize. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. We are limping into the finale yeah. here. Stephen A. Smith has put us in a pretzel going into the break here. <laughs> Uh, just amazing stun. Everybody out there listening, have a great and happy Thanksgiving. We appreciate you guys all rocking with us here. Everybody who's been with us for the fall, we are thankful for all of you who have made the decision to not only tune in live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, but to download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Leave it a five-star rating. Check it out. Smash subscribe on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Throw us a bunch of likes. So eat, drink, and be merry. Have fun. Take care of each other. Enjoy the football, and we will talk to you on Monday.